Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, verses 1 through 39. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again, Then what do you wish me to do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort. And they clothed him in a purple cloak, and after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him. And they began saluting him, Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one at his right and one at his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why 
have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, listen, he is calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was God's son. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On this last Sunday of Lent, this last Sunday before Easter, we take a look at one of the things that is core to our faith, one of the things that is central to Christianity. And it's this balance between celebrating and grieving. It's this balance between the joy and the sorrow that makes up all of what it means to follow Christ. That we walked in today and we waved our palm branches and we celebrated the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. We celebrated with those who were celebrating a king finally come to set his people free. A king come. They gave him glory. They cleared his path. And we come now to the sorrow. Christ dying on a cross. Not for his own sins, but for ours. Humiliated not on his own account, but on ours. Who suffered and was put to shame because of us. We feel that sorrow as much as we feel the joy. And that becomes part of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to follow Christ. Because we experience both joy and sorrow. And the two of them balance each other out that we are able to understand the sorrow because of the joy. And we are able to understand the joy because of the sorrow. That without one, we might not fully understand the other. That we live as people who find the joy and the sorrow in all that God brings us. Even Christ on the cross is a mixed time of joy and sorrow. Because it pains me. It pains me to think about Christ being nailed to the cross because I couldn't. It pains me to think that he died for my sins because there was nothing I could do to save myself. And it pains me to think about how he suffered and died 
because I couldn't save myself. That we couldn't save ourselves from sin. But at the same time, there's joy. There's that same joy we had thinking about Christ's triumphant entry, that Christ is winning the battle. And we have that joy that Christ died on the cross. Not joy in his suffering, but joy in the fact that he loved us. Loved us to the point that he was willing to die for our mistakes. He was willing to give all. He was willing to suffer in our place. That he was willing to give his life out of love for us. It fills me with joy to know that he had love so great, so powerful, that he would suffer to keep me from suffering. That he would die on my behalf. And it fills me with such a great joy. But at the same time, it hurts. It hurts knowing I could never do it on my own. It hurts knowing that he had to do it because there was no other way to save us from ourselves. We balance that sorrow and that joy, knowing that our lives are a mix of sorrows and joys with an underlying hope under all of it. That no matter what sorrows we may see, there is always hope. No matter what we may mourn, no matter how bad things may seem, there is always hope because we know that God is with us. We know that we can find sorrow, that we can mourn, and that God will mourn with us. That we can be afraid. That even as we hear Christ's words on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we too can feel lost. But it's important that we remember the unspoken words that follow those. Christ was able to muster enough strength to speak those opening lines with the rest of the psalm playing in his head. I can imagine that he would have known the words by heart but could only speak so very few. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he would remember the message of that song. That even in those great times of trial, even in those great times of distress, that he is thankful. Because God the Father is there. That he is there and will find justice in the end. That he is there and gives hope beyond hope, hope beyond death. That even if he goes to face death, now he knows it's not the end because God is with him. That even in that darkest hour, he remembers that there is hope to be found and that there is something to celebrate. 
And the Lord helps us to celebrate that he blesses us with his love and his mercy. He gives us opportunity to share with each other our joys and to celebrate them with each other. That we may praise God and give him glory for all that he does in our lives. That triumphant victory that we find in the cross. That gives us reason to celebrate that perfect freedom that we find. That Christ sets us free from sin and death. By making us whole. That God fills in that missing piece. That without him we may not be able to find salvation. But with him we find that all things are possible. With him we become complete. With him we can celebrate with those who are celebrating. With him we can mourn with those who are mourning because we understand their pain. And we understand their joy. We understand the sorrow and the grief. We understand the celebration and the happiness. Because we understand that at the heart of our salvation is this mingling of celebration and grief. Let it weigh heavy on your heart. Let our Lord's suffering be heavy. As we prepare ourselves for the celebration, when we roll the rock away from that tomb, let us not forget the sorrow that would have been with those first followers, thinking that this was the end thinking that this was all there was. That this death was final. That the end of their hope was there. That their Savior was sealed in a tomb. His hands and his feet and his side pierced. His life taken from him. Let it be with you so that your heart may grieve. But let it grieve knowing that there is still hope. Let it grieve in preparation for the joy. Because though we know what lies in wait in that tomb, it's important that we understand the sorrow that it carries that we may fully understand the joy that it will bring. Let us grieve so that we may fully understand those who are grieving. Let us mourn so that we may comfort those who mourn. Let us do so so that we may better celebrate all that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for us. That we may celebrate all that has been given for us. That we may celebrate that we know that his triumphant entry into Jerusalem was one of victory. One of final victory. But let us understand it by knowing the despair. And let us always walk in the balance of knowing the joy and the sorrow, the hurt and grief the love and the mercy. 
Let us remember all that God has done for us. The price paid on our account. And as we prepare ourselves to go to the tomb, let us make our hearts heavy that we may allow the Lord to make them light again. Amen.